Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So our our brains work in an interesting way. And if you've ever... um, if you've ever listened to my interviews or listened to my All Ball podcast, you'll realize that, um, and this is something I was kind of trained on, which is that, you know, we, we do work kind of chronological order. If you if you do an interview, they tell you all the time, like, do it in chronological order. Don't ask about the fourth quarter, then go, well, let me go back to the second quarter. Then you go to the third quarter, then back to the first quarter. Like, it's just really hard for your brain to work that way, Right. Is. It's it's a difficult thing for your for your mentals to to process things, um, but uh, nonetheless, people do it. Well, I I think that we work that way as sports fans. Like, no one's talking nationally about the Bengals or the Titans in comparison to the length of discussions of what happened on Sunday, or even you know Aaron Rodgers. Not necessarily what happens next for Aaron Rodgers, but the gameplay itself, the decisions that he made, the team made, obviously the special teams disasters or something. And, and I point that out because what we saw last is what's most vivid in our mind. What we saw last is most vivid in our mind. And what we saw last was the bills and the chiefs and overtime. So most of the discussion is about those two quarterbacks and the overtime role. And then maybe slightly to the 13 seconds, all the dis- the mistakes that the Bills made and the greatness of the Chiefs, right? The game that preceded it was every bit as interesting. Matt Stafford was sharp. The Rams looked great. They're up 27 to three and this game is over. Some people even went outside and decided Southern California, an absolute beautiful Sunday. I'm going to do something else with myself. Didn't they? Some people decided, well, I'm going to stick here and watch. And they nearly saw, or they did see, one of the biggest colossal choke jobs ever. You can't, I mean, four fumbles is ridiculous. Ramos, what was that like to watch your favorite team nearly give away uh, a game in which they had dominated for half? Well, the keyword's nearly. That's what I always look for in conversations is keywords. Uh, so, yeah, they didn't. But, yeah, it was not fun. They made a lot of mistakes in the second half. And so that led to I, – I never thought the game was over, actually. Once Acres fumbled at the one-yard line before halftime, I said, that's not good. And so I even told Suzanne, my wife, I said, that you need to really put the pedal on Tom Brady. You can't just, like, give up points. And I knew the game was – I didn't think it was going to be – I didn't think they would tie it. But I definitely thought it'd be like 27-20 final score. But yeah, that's not good. I agree with you in the fact that that's not a good thing going into a game against a team that you haven't beat six for six straight times. Uh-huh. But I give credit to Stafford and the Rams for not doing Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars and kneeling right before halftime 
and said they put the pedal up and went down and won the game. So yeah, no, no, I, I, there's a lot to it. What happens at the end of the half does set. I mean, look at the Packers, right? They, they get a field goal blocked right before the half, right, and and that set it set us into this special teams and very different feel at the half, considering how thoroughly and completely they'd seem to dominate that first half with their defense. Um, the, the Chiefs had a makeable field goal that they missed before the half. Obviously, it came back to Bud Kerr having a chance to win it in overtime. But the Rams going into what would have been, felt like a game-sealing touchdown, right? Like 27-3, to okay. You, you, you go up 35-3, to and that, that, that's kind of a wrap, unless, again, all different things go wrong. Byron, what do you think of the Rams' near collapse? Yeah, I, I I thought that people are giving Tom Brady way too much credit for his role in bringing the Buccaneers back because it was just self-inflicted wound. And we were we were on the air, George Reister and I, during uh, that whole basically second half collapse. And there were at least I had counted seven instances that were the Rams self-inflicting wounds just of not even as big as the Acres fumble or the the Cooper Cup fumble but Tyler Higby had a pass on 3rd and 10 that that he dropped he had the Weddle penalty on the late hit that almost you know came back to bite him just so many self-inflicted uh errors by the Rams and that was the only way that the Buccaneers could get back into the game as if the Rams made those seven mistakes. So it was, it was really, really crazy. But it was just, it, I, I just didn't think it had anything to do with Tom Brady and everything to do with the Rams, um, outside of Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, to, to, you know, uh, making the mistakes. Jay Stu, what'd you think? Uh, you know me by now, Doug. I root for uh, stories. I root for drama and content. And that comeback, if they would have completed the com- comeback, it would have been made for incredible content. It's still good content, but I was rooting for the Rams to lose, even though I really love John over here. I was rooting for the story. I was rooting for the chaos that would insi- that would that would, that would come afterwards. Um, and I loved watching athletes and coaches play not not to lose at the end, and and you could see the Rams gripping. Like they they were very uncomfortable in that fourth quarter, and they looked it and they played it, played like it, and I love seeing it. I mean, I thought it, was, it is one of those things where um, I do feel bad for Ramos and my boy Miles Simon, who's the the assistant coach for the Lakers, the head coach of their G League team. He's those are like the only two real Rams fans, and I have a kid named uh, Anthony, his dad Alex, that actually missed our games yesterday because they were watching. They were like, we're Rams guys. We're watching the games. Um, those are the only people I actually felt felt for because have been a chart when you're a charger fan, like you're like, what are you complaining about? This is our lives. This is every Sunday. <laughs> right? We find a way to lose games, you know? Um, but uh, I, you know, I, why, why can't you give credit to Brady? You're like, yes, they, there were all well, kinds of mistakes, but he made some amazing throws. Did he? Like, I mean, in in all those scenarios, like the the one, even the like the one to Evans down the sideline, it was more of a of blaming of Jalen Ramsey, in or the scheme that the Rams had to allow sure. that situation. But I just like think about it. Like Brady gets sacked by Von Miller, fumbles, recovered by the Rams. What happens to the Rams? Brian Allen spikes it twenty five yards past Matthew Stafford on a line drive. 
You know, that you know that looked like faster than some major league baseball pitches. <laughs> it was that good. And I mean, like, think about that. Like that. I mean, and and look at like the the times where it was set up where they you know they they gained twenty five yards on that. It wasn't because you know Brady eluded pressure and it was there was just so many unspeakable things. Even the Cam Akers fumble. What they had to go thirty yards for it. I mean. And and then there was a stat like Tom Brady threw for 217 yards in the second half. Yeah, because they were down 27 to three. Yeah, like, you got to throw it. Yeah, you had to throw it every single time. That's her. That's probably why it happened. But yeah, it was it was that's that's why I just don't think it was as much. You know, man, look at Tom Brady and what he did. As it was, and I tweeted, I said, this is all on the Rams, and uh, and it was. So, so the question becomes: as they get ready for San Francisco, is can you? How do you flesh that out of your system, right? That you're capable of. I mean, it, and, and you know, there'll be people. Well, that you won the game. Keep it. You remember you won the game. Like, dude, that was embarrassing. That was well, to, to, to have to to have to have a you know have to have that sort of scenario play out. And Tampa totally screwing up their coverage and leaving Cooper Cup open and having that beautiful throw by Stafford. But you needed that to squeak in a field goal and win a game after being up twenty-seven to three. And you should have walked in for a touchdown at the end of the first half. That's that. It strikes me as embarrassing, yeah. and I, I don't know how you flush it because even if you have a big lead against the Niners, you had a big lead against the Niners three weeks ago. That's the key point, and I think that that, and I, and I don't want to put John, the words in John's mouth, but the the scary thing that happened was, oh my goodness, this is happening again, and then it's spreading throughout the team. Not not to make any COVID jokes, but all of a sudden. What is Cooper Cup doing fumbling? You know, like, why is that happening? Why did Brian Allen do this? How did Tyler Higby, like, everybody's affected by it. And you just had the game two weeks prior uh, where you let the Niners drive down in under two minutes with no timeouts and score. You know, there there is a part of it, I do think, though, that if you are the Rams, like, all right, this is our time. Like, if we're gonna beat them, you beat them in the NFC Championship game, to, to go to the Super Bowl, it erases those previous six straight losses and takes care of everything. It's just the other side of the coin that's the dangerous part. If you lose to them again, now seven in a row and do it in that stage in your own backyard. Yeah. Tough. Um, I got this picture that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna post here of the last time the the I think it was the game winning touchdown pass, the Niners Rams. Um and then I'm I'm looking at some of these posts that Ramos, the Niners fans going to invade uh, SoFi again? I guess. They can if they want. I'm not worried about what they do. I worry about what happens on the field. So. <laughs> I don't get it. It's never, <laughs> All right. it's never bothered me. I never understand that. Bulletin board material. It's, it's what happens on the field. It's between the two teams on the field. The fans can, I mean, whatever. I don't go to the games. I'm a Rams fan. I'm not. John hates the 49ers. Everybody hates yes. the 49ers. Not, no, I no. wouldn't say everybody, no. but I, I think yes. as a Rams fan at yes. NFC West, it's yes. like the Giants to me, it's the San Francisco Giants. Giants. They're the yeah. same. They're one and the same. The, the, it's not a, not a fun. Well, so the Giants it's a, won three World Series in, what, five years or whatever? Yeah, I think and, it was. Yeah. But, I mean, when the Dodgers won this past playoff series, that was like everything to me. That was like, that was more than even, even they lost the next round. I was like, yeah, but we beat the Giants in the playoffs. So that's what this is. It's the same feeling. To me, it is. Now, maybe to you and to the just generic fans of football, it's just like another game. But to me, it's like, and I agree with Dan, you cannot lose to the 49ers again at home in the NFC Championship. 
that would be just a step on the face of the Rams. That would really put that the Rams. Would, no, that would be, yeah. feel like the that would feel like the eighties and nineties yeah. all over again. Yep. Right. But at like, least they had Joe the Montana and Jerry Rice yeah. back then. I also get the sense on this whole Rams ticket thing, you know, they're they're only making it available to, to fans in the greater Los Angeles area. I think that there are enough 49er fans down here that will end up making a presence. I don't. There's think, a way around every, every one yeah, of Yeah, but things. I also and, don't and, think that 30,000 fans drove down from Northern California. No, you know, no, there's, so, plenty of, there's plenty of Niner correct. fans. There's plenty of Niner fans in Southern California. Like, here's what people have to understand. There was not a team. The Rams were not here. The Rams didn't have a huge fan base when they left. They just didn't. Okay? And I'm not, John, I'm not, and I'm not accusing you of being a fan of another team and then switching when they moved back. I'm just saying that that when they were in... I, I grew up um, probably a max a 10-minute drive from where the Rams played, Anaheim Stadium, where the Angels played. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not going to lie. And they just... It, it, again, we, we all are looking at things today. Th- we, we can't look at yesterday through the lens of today. Okay, in the mid '90s, early '90s, NFL football was in bad shape with the ratings. Remember, they had they had the strike and the scabs, and like fantasy football, gambling, these all saved football. All saved it. It was not in a good place, and so it wasn't when they when they left. It wasn't like when the Raiders left. It was a bigger thing, but it was also a failure from the government. They were supposed to build them a new stadium or fix the Coliseum, and they never did. The Rams. They were just a football team, and they left. And so most people, I would say 95% of the people, like, Rams are gone. And so when they, it wasn't like when they won the Super Bowl with the greatest show on turf, there was a celebration in L.A. There were definitely Ram fans in L.A. But when you're gone for 25 years, and football's super popular, and the Niners are really good, and they're close, you know, and Northern, and yes, plenty of people from Northern California moved to Southern California. So I think... Yeah, the idea like we're going to you have to be from the, you know, from the 213 or the 310 or 714 or 818 in order to get tickets there. That That's not going to work. It was crazy. It was crazy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. That was wild. Yeah. So I'm actually cheering for this to happen again, John. I want it to be a red out just just for Matt Stafford's wife to, go, <laughs> to lose her mind. Not because I know her or care or have any negative feelings about her. I just want it to be crazy again. I just think it's funny that... Like um, Matthew? Oh, sorry. I just think it's funny that um, a lot of the Rams fans, or I guess they're Rams fans, were selling tickets just to make profit of money. Of course. Yeah, so they don't really care either, to be honest with you. And if you're a a Northern California person, and somebody's like, oh, it's $1,000 for a ticket. Yeah. Like, you're like, look, I live in Northern California. First of all, (laughs) SoFi Stadium... Is actually probably closer to most people in in San Francisco than Levi State. <laughs> That's true. Se- second, secondly, like if you're spending ten thousand dollars for a one bedroom apartment. Right. I mean, that's the most expensive city in the country. Somebody says a great like you could probably save. You probably make money. Verbo your apartment for a house for a couple of days and come down to L.A. You'd actually make money on the deal. So. That is wild. The, I mean, this photo I'm about to tweet is that was wild. wild. That was wild. My that God. was wild. Here's Matthew Stafford talking about stealing the soul of the Buccaneers. In my mind, I live for those kind of moments. You know, I, I would have loved to have been taking a knee up three scores, but uh, it's a whole lot more fun when you got to make a play like that to win the game and, and uh, just 
steal somebody's soul. You know, that's what it feels like sometimes where they're sitting there going, man, we just had this great comeback, and uh, you get to reach in there and, and take it from them. That's, uh, that's a whole lot of fun. All right, here's Bruce Arians after the game talking about a miscommunication. Some guys didn't blitz. I don't know if we didn't get the call, but it wasn't it was an all-out blitz. We should have got a ton of pressure. Just a little bit of miscommunication and the hectic moments at the end. Slip and fell and gave him that seven route. And um, don't get the call in and get it communicated to all 11 guys. Here, and I love Bruce Arians. Um, he clarified his comments today. Going back, looking at it, we just everybody got the call. Uh, I was wrong about that. They all got the call. We had Sue come up the middle. We just got to cover better in that situation when we're going after the quarterback. They don't need like possibly 12 yards for that field goal. So I don't question that call whatsoever. But uh, when we do that, we got to get to the quarterback. They did get to the quarterback. Just a <laughs> split second too late. And dude fell down. And he threw it to Cooper Cup. You went you went zero blitz. And he stepped up and threw, it, threw a perfect ball. Bingo. And they ran a perfect route combination. Amen. End of the day. Rams are the first playoff team to win a game, losing four or more fumbles since the 75 Steelers in the AFC Championship game against the Raiders. I believe that was the, wasn't that the um, Franco Harris, was that, uh, uh, what's that play called? Immaculate reception. reception. That was 72, right? Is that what that you 72? said? 72? Yeah. Okay, the 75 Steelers. And then they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They beat Dallas in Super Bowl 10. So there you go. How about that? Look at John flexing a little bit. The other great thing about the Immaculate Reception was that was uh, the Dolphins season where they went unbeaten, and it was before the NFL granted home field advantage to the top team in the conference, so the Dolphins actually had to go to Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh the next week in the AFC Championship game and then go to the Super Bowl and finish their unbeaten season. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. See, I like my tweet a lot, and you get people that just don't understand, okay? Uh, Ramos, can you go to my Twitter handle about you, buyer, and check it out, okay? It's a picture of Jennings catching a touchdown pass against the Rams in the final week of the season, and um, there's a lot of red. There's a lot of red in that stadium, right? That's like 80% red. Is that fair? And so my tweet was, the Rams are trying to become the first home team to record a road win on their way to a Super Bowl. And you get people like, no, the Bucks won last year. Like, no, no, it's a joke because, right? Like, you guys understand the line, don't you? Yes, I, I get it entirely. It's a, it's a, it's a valid uh, point of view. Hmm. Pretty, pretty telling photo right there. That was crazy. Oh my <laughs> god! I never seen anything like it before. That was wild, wild. Weird, wacky, and wild stuff. That's what that is. Like Matthew. Listen, this coffee's really good. You guys want to have coffee again tomorrow? Sure, let's let's do it. Let's do it. We want all the money. We want to keep all the... Both sides want to keep all the money. Sam Wilcox joins us, NFL analyst, former defensive back of the National Football League. He's partnering with Kevin Stone, author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Play Forever, How to Recover from Injuries and Thrive. We'll get to that upcoming. You can get that at stoneclinic.com or amazon.com. Um... I'd love to talk about the quarterbacks, and we will. But if you were coaching Buffalo, let's start with a kickoff. What would you have done? <laughs> That's a good question. No, you got to squib it, right? They got the ball with 13 seconds left. If you squib it, maybe they get it with seven seconds, and that leaves them with one play. 
we automatically know even if you have timeouts, you pretty much seven seconds to, to ten seconds to run one play for you can run the play, get down, call timeout, right? Um, so yeah, it would have. I think it would have limited them uh, in terms of the plays that they were that they would have at the end of regulation. As a result, they got maybe two, three plays, and they executed on every single one of them. What about how Buffalo gave Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey back-to-back plays a free release? It was a free release. They vacated the the middle of the field, that throw. Uh, it was like a drive starter to Travis Kelsey right up the middle. That seam throw is going to be easy. Uh, I think after you got to give Patrick Mahomes some credit because when they tried to run the cover two man, that cover two shell is something that he's been struggling with and trying to develop patience. Um, he started doing two things that I think has made him a better quarterback than what we saw at the beginning of the year, Doug. One is that he's climbing the pocket. He's pressing the line of scrimmage. He's not retreating 10, 15 yards even further behind the line of scrimmage as the, the uh, pressuring pass rush would come toward him. He used to drift deeper and deeper by the time he throws it 20 yards, about just getting back to the line of scrimmage. He was creating more problems for himself. Go back and watch the Super Bowl against uh, Tampa. That's exactly what he did. And he made the problem of a good pass rush even worse. He's also starting to hit receivers in the underneath coverage, allowing playmakers to create yards after the catch. So in the ways that he's improved, he's not necessarily trying to throw it over the head of the defense. He's catching the crossing routes. He's taking the underneath stuff. And with the prolific talent of a Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle, the speed of a McCole Hardman, and even Travis Kelsey is great at creating yards after the catch. You can tell there's something they've been working on, and they're leveraging that to create bigger plays. And then against cover two man, when the defensive backs turn their back to him, Patrick Mahomes is pressing the line of scrimmage. He's leaking through, and he's getting more runs. He led the team in passing, but also in rushing yesterday. Um, What about Josh Allen? What impresses you about his near-flawless performance? He has a better feel for the game, and I think it's confidence of what he can do with his unique skill set and talent i think it's 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 finally caught hold like he knows he's as good as all the other quarterbacks and he knows that the defense don't have a plan for him now that he's learned you know rookie quarterbacks come in 2018 he's got to learn his offense right you got to learn the players he's working with and how to manage the game all the nuance of how to spike the ball get out of bounds and manage the clock and the timing and tempo of an offense how you want it to either speed up or slow down. Then you got to learn defenses. But after a certain point now, you just learn how to manipulate all that to your advantage. That's what you saw yesterday, converting on four fourth down plays. I think he converted, what, 60% of third down plays? He was incredible. And he's always had, as Jordan Palmer would say, great ball control. Not only does he have a laser-like arm, he can get the ball wherever he wants, much in the same way Patrick Mahomes can. That's what made both guys so prolific. But I like to uh, compare Josh Allen to a guy like, um, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, but a, but he's bigger and he can throw it from anywhere on the field, whether in the pocket or out of the pocket. Uh, let, let's let's go to Brady. Do you think this is his last game? I think Brady. 
wants to keep playing. I think when he sees that this team is going to have to be in some ways dismantled because of the $40 million over-the-cap budget they're operating on, you know, all these great players aren't coming back on one-year deals again, right? And you saw, listen, I, I think Tom Brady has shown us even more. I have more of appreciation for him now than I ever have, and I've always had a great appreciation for him. The guy led the league in passing, led the league in touchdown passes, and a lot of it disintegrated around him. And, uh, you know, we all want to leave something behind in life, but I think Tom Brady is the kind of person who wants to look back and say, and I, and I use my platform to help people. That's what he tried to do with Antonio Brown. Well, guess what? It came back to bite him. And, he, and Antonio Brown wasn't there for him in a way that he should have been. And I don't think Tom will ever regret it. I think Tom will say, look, I tried, didn't work. But I think it cost him yesterday. I mean, obviously the injury not having Chris Godwin, that cost him, right? Not to not have your best players and then to have the injuries on the offensive line. I mean, they couldn't block Aaron Dowell at some point. So now that team is not going to be the same roster coming back. They're going to lose a lot of players. And he's got a, he's used to working with receivers and having guys familiar with what he wants to do. I don't know that at 45 he wants to be part of a rebuild. And I think that's the real critical point. So it's hard to answer your question because only he knows. And, and only he knows under what circumstance and under what conditions he'd be willing to play. Um, okay, same question, kind of Aaron Rodgers. They have a similar cap situation. Um, there is a, it's a younger defensive team, but they have some, some, some issues. He said he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. What do you think the Packers do? Remember, the Packers still have him under contract. So this talk of like, well, he just goes somewhere else, like not how it works. What do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers? So let's, let's I mean, it's a good question. They do have him under contract. But if he says he doesn't want to play there, I think they're smart enough to know that you don't want to force the hand of a player who don't want to be there. Uh, they're in a better position this year than they were a year ago because they know a little bit more about Jordan Love. They also can leverage what they have with Aaron Rodgers to get picks and players, right? And secondly, I, I think they might be more reticent. If they were ready to get rid of him last year, we do know this because we read the articles, uh, how Matt LaFleur went in and said, wait a minute, he put the, he put the brakes on it. They said, you can't do this. The other guy's not red. And then they had a, they, you know, they rethought it and decided to bring him back for another year. So we know they were ready to pull the trigger on the deal. So now, after what you saw in that game on Saturday, if you're Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, did you see anything from Aaron Rodgers that leads you to believe he's untradeable? That in no way, shape, or form should we move on without him? Come on. I mean, if that he didn't perform well, and I do believe there's some space there for everyone to stop down and say, okay, what's best for us moving forward? I think if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers, you say, look, this is a team that has for 30 years probably, right, last 30 years relied heavily on the franchise quarterback putting maybe a mediocre or maybe – a, a little bit better than mediocre roster around them, and forget about specialty. You can go back to a playoff game in Seattle. Remember they could not, couldn't recover an onside kick and lost right. the playoff game in Seattle? Sure. This is the same narrative. The storyline never changes in Green Bay, Doug. Rely on the quarterback. He'll bail us out, and we'll 
all the rest of the pieces will manage our budget and we'll make sure that, you know, we can always say we put our best foot forward and they keep, if, if you know, if they were a business, you'd be great, right? They have the model of they, they tease you with, we can win it there any given year. We have a great product we put on the field. Keep showing up, buy all the trinkets, buy all the merchandise. We've got a great story because we're a storied franchise. We've got a great quarterback. It's like the perfect scenario, and we don't sign free agents. <laughs> it's like, it's just, like if it's a business model for just ROI, return on investment, the Packers are probably the best-run franchise in the NFL. If it's about winning championships, maybe that's a different story. You see a path for the Bengals to win this game? Of course. They just beat them, didn't they? Now, that was a game week 17. The Bengals overcame three 14-point leads, three times. They overcame a 14-point deficit, come back to win the game 34-31. Joe Burrow had over 400 yards passing in the game. Jamar Chase had a coming-out party, 266 yards receiving. He bested what you saw Gabriel Davis do against that same secondary. Now, I got to believe Steve Spagnuolo and even the guys who got to cover Jamar Chase say, oh, you know, just as much as I'm sure the Bengals defenders are saying, we got to cover Tyreek Hill. I think you could expect the same kind of shootout like what you saw last night. Uh, I think they're going to have their hands full with the talented players around Joe Burrow. And I think the rest of the country found out, Doug, I've been telling people the difference between he and Justin Herbert, which I love Herbert. Love him getting off the bus. The guy looks the part. You start hitting Justin Herbert the way Joe Burrow got hit. I, I don't. I don't see that get up and like to play with my jersey dirty. I'm not trying to take a shot at Justin Herbert. I'm really trying to get people to understand who Joe Burrow is. You remember Brett Favre? The more you hit him, the more he got his jersey dirty. The more he was determined to beat you. There are oh, there are rare quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger was that kind of guy. He don't mind getting the jersey dirty. He don't mind a blue collar performance. Most quarterbacks get hit as much as he got hit in that game by Jeffrey Simmons and the rest of those Titans players. Most quarterbacks, they fold up shop, and, and you don't see them again. Uh, they don't just keep chucking it. They don't keep playing the way that this kid does. He's, he's special. So get ready for a great game. I, listen, I, I expect the Chiefs to win, but I'm not counting out the Bengals. Uh, Solomon, tell them about this book. Listen, um, Play It Forever really explores all the ways that you can achieve your best self. You know, many of us, after we're done playing, you know, we become weekend warriors. I'm sure you're a former basketball player. You probably still think you can play, you get out there every now and then. But you know the heart's willing, body ain't not always able. Well, this Play It Forever really helps you to realize that you can continue to perform at a very high level despite your age. And our key is really to be able to live an active lifestyle until we drop. And that's what Play It Forever is about, the mental part of it. It's about the physical part of it. It's about using the latest medical technologies and understanding the proper foods proper, uh, so you can have the kind of performance that we want in our everyday lives. I'll still like to work out and be fit. Uh, and so I've been able to learn a lot from Dr. Kevin Stone's book, uh, Play It Forever. It's a phenomenal read. I'm telling you right now, Doug, it will change your life. Think about how Tom Brady's been able to leverage science, knowledge, new information um, to, to extend his career. And if you and I would have had some of this information back when we were younger, maybe we would have been able to extend our careers as well. Well, we can extend our 
active lifestyles beyond expectation with this kind of information. So we encourage everyone to go to the website at stoneclinic.com. It's an Amazon.com number one bestseller. And that means it's some pretty good information that can change your life. Sami, you're the best, man. Uh, love the, love your passion and knowledge of this game. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Appreciate you, Doug. All the best to you. Take care. You too. Sami Wilcox joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. You got to hear what Colin Cowherd said about Aaron Rodgers. That's next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm, 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 mm. Um, <laughs> we like to do this every day. We we listen to all the other shows on Fox Sports Radio, watch them on Fox Sports 1. We bring it back and call it this. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? What does the Fox say? Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Cowherd talking about Aaron Rodgers. Relationships are about trusting and elevating others and giving of yourself. Tom's optimistic. He'll make it work. Aaron is cynical by nature, not trusting. I mean, good God. After Mercedes Lewis fumbled, Aaron changed. Oh, I'm a victim again. Teammates aren't there for me. The next two drives, three and out, three and out, played it safe, no yards. Niners defense is good. It ain't that good. Aaron has privately criticized the Packers' inability privately, like they can't build a defense. Brady's got a defense. Look at these guys got a defense. If you just give me a great defense, that defense Saturday night for Green Bay was fantastic. And they were really good all year. Don't blame the defense. It's an excellent defense by Green Bay. You're at home. Be daring. Joe Burrow's getting a you-know-what kicked out of him for three and a half hours. Doesn't care. Downfield. Stafford's team is melting around him. Doesn't care. Downfield. All these quarterbacks. Down the field. Stop playing safe. Protecting a legacy. Because they have relationships. Aaron doesn't have any. And the minute things go sideways, I've said for years, he is a bailer, not a baller. The last guy you want in a foxhole. Um... I, I think there's there's a lot of validity to the Baylor, not a baller. Um, not that he's not tough, but that adversity does expose things. If we're honest, though, Mercedes Lewis, I mean, he's been in the league like 15 years. Like He's not merely an elite-level tight end. They don't have a – he doesn't have a guy – who's a six foot six target who's always open. He doesn't have a Kelsey, a Gronk. He doesn't have a, uh, a, a Kittle. And, and he does have Devontae Adams. Um, Marcus, uh, what was it? Valdez Scantling. He's, he ends up being hurt. Lazard, he missed, but let's not act like Lazard is a dude. They don't have dudes. Aaron Jones, a really good running back. Devontae Adams, a great wide receiver. That's the extent of his dudes. And I'm with you in terms of the conservativeness of the play calling and of some, but some of it is just guys aren't open. And when you get to the playoffs, the little things that everybody in the league knows, but you can't attack when you only have a week and you're not loaded up for it and you're managing other things, you get to the playoffs, it exposes everything. Expose everything. Ryan Tannehill, like he can't win you a game in the playoffs. Don't believe me? There you go. 
Joe Burrow, that offensive line is not good enough. Not good enough. Now, he made plays in spite of it, but let's also remember that we can sit here and go like, Joe Burrow, he's, he won even though he sacked nine times. Part of it is Tannehill throws three interceptions, so it gives him three extra possessions. You know? Look, we knew the Bills, we knew the, the Chiefs defense was a, was a disaster, and it got exposed as such. Exposed as such. So when you get to the playoffs, all those things that people know, and people know that the, the, the Packers just don't have a lot of offensive weaponry. It's been a problem. And he's able to hide it in the regular season, in the office, in the, and, and you have to be way too perfect. And as much as I can sit here and tell you Aaron Rodgers didn't play well, be right. You can't have a field goal blocked. You can't have a punt blocked. And you can't have 10 guys on the field. Not that that would have changed the last field goal, going, but it just looks terrible when you already have a bad special teams unit and that happens. The margin for error is just too slight and those things can't happen. And they did. That's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? All right, TJ Hushmanzada is going to join us next hour. So many other things happen in sports that nobody cares about, right? Lakers lost again last night. James Harden might go to the Sixers, but not in the season. As the Sixers are saying, they might wait and trade Ben Simmons in the offseason. That, that part is crazy. There's talk of Russell Westbrook still being traded maybe to Houston to acquire John Wall. That's nutty. Man, there's just a lot of nutty stuff going on. But because of last night's Chiefs-Bills game, I don't think anybody really, truly, particularly cares about the Bengals moving on, the Tennessee Titans moving out. Aaron Rodgers, we'll, we'll discuss why I think he played his last game in Green Bay. And Tom Brady, what's happening with Tom Brady is exactly what I told you been happening with Tom Brady. But how good was the Chiefs win? And how big a disaster were the Bills? I'll tell you next in the Doug Gottlieb Show.